So why don't we go ahead and start in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we, it's time together on retreat this weekend, reflect on the gift of the human heart, the gift of the sacred heart, the gift of Our Lady's heart, as you to make our hearts a home, a sanctuary for the presence of your spirit, and for those individuals that you give to us to love and to protect. We ask the special intercession of Our Lady to watch over this retreat and our time together as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed thou amongst women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now the hour of our death. Amen. St. Martin de Porres, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I thank Kelly for her introduction. Kelly is a sweetheart, as you could probably tell. I'm very happy to be able to work with her on this retreat. So this is my first time being here at the Cynical Retreat House. Uh, I've been a priest now for 23 years, a priest of the Diocese of Lafayette, although for the past two and a half years, I've been teaching moral theology and doing spiritual direction over at Notre Dame Seminary uptown. Uh, and, and I have done many, many retreats over the years for married couples, for men, for women, for seminarians. And so it really is a joy to be with all of you here, particularly some familiar faces, some faces I haven't seen for maybe 10, 15 years. You all still look just as young as you did when I saw you last time. So the theme for the retreat, or at least the theme that I proposed a while back, and we're going to sort of look at that in maybe different ways than I would have intended back then, is to, it's called Heart is Where the Home Is. A little play on words here. We're going to talk about the human heart, our heart, and how we can make a home of that heart for God, of course, but more focusing on making it a welcome home for others, for our family members, for our friends, for those people the Lord has given us to love in our own lives. And so I'm going to take this idea that I presented in a retreat, actually a virtual retreat, about four years ago, and take some ideas from other retreats that I've given. Some of you may have heard talks that I've given and sort of putting it together in a new way. So hopefully there will be stuff that will be enlightening for you to pray with. The question that I do want to sort of present is why am I a man here mansplaining to you about the heart? Well, partially because I was asked to, so you can blame <laughs> Kelly. Because I think, though, that this idea of having the heart as a home, as a safe place for others, is something that women are much more naturally inclined to than men. The heart of a mother is a lot different than the heart of a father. A female body, in a certain sense, is, is a home for a child. Men, not so much. However... However, we are all called to have hearts like Mary, Marian hearts. If you think of it, Mary formed Jesus' heart, Joseph's heart, and John's heart. So my own spirituality and walking with and being formed by Mary, I think that I have something to be able to share with all of you. And so we're going to draw a lot from 
Mary's example. I'm looking at different um, instances from her life, her different mysteries, to be able to reflect on the heart in general. But since we've got 50 women here, trying to talk mostly about the hearts of women. Although my experience as a man, I think, can somewhat apply, but I'll be drawing from my own experience working with women over the course of my priesthood. So let's begin. This first talk is going to be the, the most basic, just sort of laying certain thoughts and ideas. We're going to get into more deep spiritual stuff uh, tomorrow and Sunday. I usually find that first day, everyone's tired, or, or we just ate a bunch of rice and <laughs> drank a couple of glasses of wine, so we're not too focused, but we're going to do our best to to lay out the groundwork here. And the first is, what is a heart? I'm going to tell you very clearly, I do not like blood. I never wanted to be a surgeon. I'm not going to get into all kinds of gross details. Some of you here are nurses and maybe even doctors, and you know the heart is that central organ that pumps blood through the body. All the different atria and ventricles. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But I'm not talking about the biological organ today. We know that. Even though, as we'll see, looking at sort of the physiological makeup of the heart, it's going to help us to understand what it means to have a heart as a home. Instead, the heart as an organ becomes the symbol of the entire person sort of the central essence of our being. Cardinal Ratzinger, of course, who later became Pope Benedict, says that in biblical language, the heart indicates the center of human life, the point where reason, will, temperament, and sensitivity converge, where the person finds his unity and his interior orientation. So we're like, that heart is the center of who we are. It's the the core of our being. But I sort of noticed that in the way that we often use the term heart and sort of common parlance, it implies a certain capacity. In a certain sense, a real physical heart has the capacity to hold blood. But in the ways we say it, well, I felt something in my heart. I felt this feeling in my heart. Or I hold my loved one in my heart. The heart becomes a container with a certain capacity. And so that's sort of what I want to look at and sort of really help me to launch this idea of a retreat, of the heart as a structure that can house things. And so when we talk about the capacity, I was not a biology major. I was an English and literature major, so I like words. So we talk about the capacity of the heart. It comes from the Latin word capax, which means to be empty or to be vacant or to have the capacity to retain. And so in a certain sense, if I say that something has the capacity, it means that there's a void there. There's an emptiness there, something negative. And so we could say, well, there's a certain emptiness in our heart. There's a certain poverty in our heart that we're waiting for it to be filled by the Lord. We're waiting to be filled with the presence of others. We claim nothing for our own. In our hearts, they're empty. It's poor and it's humble 
a receptacle for the Lord's grace. But also, you can see this as a positive. It's not just empty, but it's empty waiting to be filled, to receive the gift of the Spirit, to receive the heart of another, or the blessed or poor in spirit. Why are we blessed? Because we will be filled with the grace of the Lord. So it is. It's a container that's empty, but it's one that is waiting to be filled, waiting to receive. And so this idea of the capacity of the human heart implies a certain receptivity, a willingness to be able to fill that space. So what what do we have the capacity for? What are we going to fill that space with? Well, first and foremost, and even I'm going to mention here, we're going to allude to this a lot, even though it's the second one that we're going to focus most on in this retreat, is our heart has the capacity for God. Heart is the center of our being, even a symbol of our soul or our spiritual dimension. We as Catholics believe that when we are baptized and we're living in the state of grace, we become sort of tabernacles, receptacles of the indwelling Trinity. God, the Father, Son, and Spirit comes to dwell in our souls, comes to dwell in our heart. We become a living tabernacles. And, and so as much as it's important for us to go to the church to, to meditate and to spend time with Jesus in the Eucharist, you have God living inside of you. This is the great teaching of the interior presence from St. Elizabeth of the Trinity the great Carmelite contemplative. We could also say that it's in our heart that Christ lives. And because he lives in us, as Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 to 20, he lives in us and acts in us. I think Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live no longer, I, but Christ lives in me. And so far as I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who has loved me and given himself up for me. So Christ lives in us, and we can say that he lives in our heart. And so I think Mary really becomes the icon for this. We're going to go back to Mary many, many times here. That she had that great capacity, the greatest capacity in her heart and her being to receive the Lord. And so this is expressed primarily where? where? And this is the mystery we're going to focus on tonight of the Annunciation. Be it done unto me according to your word. That's when the Spirit descended upon her. That's when she was filled with grace. And she had so much capacity because she was sinless. There was nothing there cluttering up or clogging up her heart. So she could be filled with the Spirit, ultimately filled with the Son of God who became incarnate in her womb. And so our heart has the capacity for the Lord. Hopefully all of us here living in the state of grace, that we are indwelling Trinity right now in our hearts and our souls. But the real thing that I want to focus on during the course of this retreat is our heart's capacity to receive others, to receive the hearts of other people. So I'm going to say this probably a lot over the course of our retreat. God indeed can speak to us directly, but nine out of ten times he uses other people. 
We can't live with just God alone. He's given us a church. And quite often, when we want to have recourse to God alone, that's a way for us to spiritually deceive ourselves and block ourselves off from other people because we don't want to be heard. And we are going to work, ladies, on trying to overcome that, to be able to make our hearts open where we can be received by others, but the real focus is to allow others to, to for us to receive others. So let's know what Pope Francis has to say in his document Fratelli Tutti. We achieve fulfillment when we break down our walls and our hearts are filled with faces and names. The faces and names of people whom we love, the faces and names of our children, the faces and names of those who have been given to us. And so it's a heart that is welcoming a heart that is open to the faces, the names, and the hearts of other people. We are called with our heart to not just have capacity, but the heart is the organ that is normally associated with love. Love as willing the good for the other people, but love as our emotions, our feelings, our tenderness. I love you. We don't say I love you with all of my liver. Maybe in the French Quarter they do, but I love you with all of my brain. I love you with all of my heart. It's the greatest commandment. Love God, but then love your neighbor as yourself. Why does God tell us to love our neighbor? Because he wants to love them through us. Love them through us. Again, y'all, I'm going to say this over and over again. He can do it directly, but he wants to do it through us. But if we refuse to do it, then other people are not going to know that they're loved. It's like your kid is sad and depressed. Oh, I need you to go to your room and let Jesus love you. You never do that. You'd give the child a hug. So why do we do this to other people now? Because we do not want to be vulnerable. Because we do not want to take the risk of being hurt. So we shove it off to somebody else. But the Lord is calling us to open our hearts to other people to receive them with a merciful love, and to hold them in our hearts. This is why the heart is associated with love. Love, yes, is a choice, but love as, as delighting in the other person. Love as cherishing the other person. And so Mary's heart had the great capacity, because of her sinlessness, to receive the Spirit. She also has the great capacity for others. Jesus, Joseph, John, all given to her. The apostles. For those of you who've watched the TV show The Chosen, she called them her boys. Mary was the mother for the apostles. She's the mother for all of us. We are her children. She has a tremendous capacity. And I think it's something about particularly the maternal heart that people tend to find as being safer. I see this all the time. People don't want to talk to priests. I don't think a lot of people probably want to talk to Jesus either. They would go to Mary or Mary Magdalene who would then bring them to Jesus. Jesus is going to judge me. Jesus doesn't smile all the time. (laughs) I've seen this over and over again. And so she brings, like even in, I think there's a scene where Mary Magdalene falls in the chosen. She goes to Mary who then brings her to Jesus. And so there's a gift about the feminine heart where it is an openness and a receptivity. I think the icon of this would probably be the visitation. We're going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow. So the heart has capacity for God, 
The heart has capacity for others. The heart is a home. But what I want to do in this sort of first talk is we're going to flesh all of this out. I've talked a little bit longer than I thought I would. I thought it was going to be about 30 minutes, but maybe it'll be more like 45 minutes. But guess what? Y'all are going anywhere, so. <laughs> so what I want to do is to give you today five descriptors or five terms that help us to understand the nature of the capacity of our hearts to hold God and hold others. I'm going to give them to you right at the front. The heart is a home. The heart as a shelter or refuge. You can use those interchangeably. The heart as a place of rest. I'm going to have a specific word for that, which I'll give it to you later. The heart as the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. And finally, and probably most importantly, the heart as a sanctuary. Heart is a sanctuary. All of these describe Mary's heart. All of these describe the human heart, but they all describe Jesus's heart. Now, if I had a bunch of guys here, maybe we'd be talking about the sacred heart. We have a bunch of ladies, so we're going to be talking about Mary's immaculate heart to be able to help us better understand the nature of that. So what I'm going to do is go very briefly over all five of these terms, and I want you to be able to take them and reflect and see which one speaks to you most. How do you envision your heart? It could be as one of these terms. I mean, maybe you think it like it's the, the camp at, at Bayushiko is what your heart is. That would be the guys. That would be the heart is a hunting camp. The heart is an outdoor kitchen. The heart is the, the truck. No, but that's a different, that's a different, uh, different, different one. So the heart is a home. This is the title of our retreat, making our heart a home for God and others. What is the home? The home is the place where we are seen, known, and loved. Loved by our parents, loved by our relatives. A place where we can be nurtured. A place where we feel a great sense of belonging. We as humans need to belong. Particularly belong to other people. Belong to a family. We all come from homes. Many of you are homemakers. You know in your mind, even though I don't give you a definition for the dictionary, what a home is. And so that same way that our house could be a home, we're called to make our home, our hearts homes for other people, where they can be seen, known, and loved, where they can find a home in our hearts. And so, of course, a home in a certain sense It's not your apartment when you were in college. That's more just a home or a house or a place where you just study and sleep. But home implies a family gathered in the home. And who normally makes the home? It's the mother. It's the maternal heart. It's the woman. Do not expect to go to the seminary where a bunch of guys are living there and think that everything's going to look really, really nice. It's not. I had women come over there. I've had sisters come over. This like clean and their sister clean. <laughs> I can't believe there's this much dust here. Father, don't you notice this? We're a bunch of dudes. We don't notice anything <laughs> at all. So it's that, 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 that mother, that, that feminine presence that makes the home. And it could be, we're talking about our hearts as a home for your own children, for your family members, for your spiritual children, your biological children. And Mary's heart is, again, the perfect image of this. 
Her heart was the home for Jesus, for Joseph, for John, for the apostles, and for all of us. So this idea of the heart is a home, a place where we're seen, we're known and loved, pointing to the other gospel passage of Luke 15, which I'm going to refer to a lot, of the Father's house. Just as Mary's heart reflects Christ's heart, Christ's heart is an image of the Father's house. There are many mansions. So that's the first thing, making our heart a home for others. Does this make sense to y'all? Even though I'm not giving you a lot of descriptors, I think you understand what it looks like. You probably just have to imagine your own home. Connected to that and sharing, I think, a lot of the same attributes is the heart as a shelter or a refuge. A shelter or refuge is a place where you are safe. Not only do we need to be seen, known, and loved, we as humans need to belong, but we also need to feel safe. Safe from harm, safe from danger, where we're going to be protected and defended. Like the father or mother defending her family, defending her children. And so we can go to scripture. It's the home that is often considered the safest place. During the Passover, in the book of Exodus, where were the people to go house in the night of the Passover so the angel of death didn't kill them in their homes? We're safe in our homes, safe from the threats, safe from the weather and the thorns, the, the, uh, the, the storms outside. But we're also there in a refuge or a shelter is a place where we can hide from danger, the danger that's coming out for us. So it's not Adam and Eve hiding in the garden out of shame, but hidden in God, the, the safe place. And so many passages refer to God as the refuge or God hiding Elijah and kings. This is like how God kept Mary and Jesus hidden, and Joseph bringing them to Egypt. It's the topic of a whole other retreat. What it means to be hidden in the Lord, and what does it mean for our hearts to be a place where people can hide, not to escape, but to find refuge. This is an insight that a very wise and holy friend of mine brought together. Escape. So if we look at the, the, the word, the breakdown of the word escape, escapare, to escape out of cape, out of the cape. Actually, it's the same word that we would have a cape. So imagine that I'm covering you in my cape or my mantle. To escape means I'm getting away from you. I'm leaving the shelter of the protective mantle. But refuge means to run back. Refuge. Fuge is like a fugitive. But I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the protective mantle. So it's the opposite in a certain sense. To seek refuge in God, to seek refuge in, in our hearts as places of safety, where people know they're not going to be objectified. They know they're not going to be used. They know that they are going to be loved unconditionally for who they are. And this, I think, is really true for the soul and the heart of a woman. And what really made me think of this was St. Edith Stein, who many of you know, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, who wrote so beautifully on women. She said that the woman's soul is fashioned as a shelter in which other souls may unfold. 
The woman's soul, or you could say the woman's heart, is fashioned as a shelter where other souls may unfold. Why can they unfold? Because they're safe. Children who do not feel safe, children who grew up in wartime, who are always worrying about being hurt or hurt or killed, or there's chaos or abused, they do not grow up to develop normally. When we feel safe, we can unfold to our full potential. And I think this is also very important because what is one of the titles of Mary? She is the refuge of sinners. And Our Lady of Fatima said, my immaculate heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. She never rejects us, even when we're destitute. She won't betray us and turn us in. You're safe here. I'm not going to turn you into the KGB. You're safe. Our hearts are supposed to be the same thing. We don't betray people. We don't gossip about them. We don't turn our back on them. They're safe with us. They need that. Number three, so we have a home where people feel safe. It's a place where people can rest, a place of rest, to be able to rest in and heart on the heart of another person. So you think of like the child resting on the heart of the father or the mother. Restful, if someone's going to rest, if you go to a place and there's a bunch of chaos, you can't rest. So if our hearts are going to be places of rest, they need to be places that are peaceful, for people to find comfort there with strength, to have fortitude. It's a comfortable place where we don't have to perform to be loved, where we can just chill. So often I see this, I did college campus ministry for 11 years. People, young women and men particularly, having to perform so I could, they could be loved. No, you don't. You could just rest. You could just be yourself. You could just chill. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to make straight A's, I still love you. You don't need to be the best in your sorority, I still love you. To be able to rest. To rest also, and I've seen this in marriages, couples who can rest in each other's hearts, that's a happy couple. They know they're loved. They know they're safe. Of course, Christ's sacred heart, to a great degree, becomes the ultimate refuge for this. Because, as he says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. That's Christ's heart, of course, but our hearts are called to imitate his, to participate in his, to be able to be places of rest for other people. where We don't burden them, and they're not necessarily weighed down by us. And so there's one title that I found in digging about Mary's heart, and I was going to use this to describe it instead of just talking about it as a place of rest. And it's a word that many of you may never have heard. And the word is a Latin word called triniculum. T-R-I-N-U-C-U-L-U-M. A triniculum is a sofa. It's a couch. It's a Roman couch. And if you look at it a line, it's like a, a chaise longue. You know, the, it's like a, a like a long couch with little furled ends where the Romans would sit and they, they'd eat their dinners. They sat on the couch, the chaise long. And, and so Mary's heart is described as the triniculum. Because why? Who rests on the triniculum? Christ could rest there. Under, the, under her heart, in her womb, 
that she becomes that resting place, that couch uh, for her son. Very beautiful imagery. I like any imagery that talks about taking a nap on the couch. (laughs) The fourth one is, again, we're going to call it the tabernacle or, more specifically, the tent of meeting. Now, what is the tent of meeting? The tent of meeting is during Exodus. Whenever God, when they were walking through the desert, and he says, I want you to have this is the place where you could keep the Ark of the Covenant. This is the place where my presence will be. And he describes it in Exodus 25 to 30. It was the early tabernacle, the early temple where God's presence rested there. You can go online and you can see diagrams of it. Some, though, will say that this tent of meeting or the tent of presence was also a special meeting place outside of the camp where the tabernacle was in the center of the camp where people could go to talk to God. Well, regardless if it was this or the thing inside of the camp, it was the place where you could meet God. And in a certain sense that Israel in the desert would gather around would meet together because that is where God's presence was. And so our hearts, too, because if the Lord is present there through the Spirit, our heart becomes the tent of meeting. It becomes a tabernacle where we encounter the Lord, but others can gather, too, to be able to meet God. I actually got this insight just last week in reading a book by this new bishop. His name is Bishop Eric Vorden. It's a young guy. He's actually my age. Uh, he's a bishop of Norway. It's very cold over there. <laughs> and he's a monk who actually, he's a Trappist monk who became a bishop. Um, and he's talking about the monk's heart. And he says that the monk's heart conformed to Christ is a tent of meeting. Why? Because the monk, the prayer of the monk, uh, who's constantly praying for and interceding the world, It's a place where he gathers the prayers, the desires, the intercessions of others. But I think it's not just the heart of the monk, it's the heart of the priest, it's the heart of the mother, it's the heart of all of us. And we're going to talk about that, making space for others, praying for them. It's the tent of meeting where where God meets others, those who were given to us and whom we hold in our hearts. And I think you could see, of course, Mary's heart as that tabernacle, as the tent of meeting. If you look at the book of Revelation, she is the Ark of the Covenant, assumed into heaven. So she becomes that tent of meeting. Her heart becomes the tent of meeting. And so this, I think, this intersection between the place where God dwells, the place where Israel dwells, the tent of meeting, comes to bring the final and ultimate term, which I think is the best one, and which I probably would have called this retreat this instead of making your heart a home is the heart is a sanctuary sanctuary from the latin word y'all are getting a lot of etymologies today the latin word sanctus which means holy the sanctuary is the holy holiest place of the temple of the church it's where god dwells or lives it's a place of prayer and intense encounter But what else is a sanctuary? A sanctuary is a safe place. You can find sanctuary here, like the sanctuary city for refugees. If any of you are paying attention to the situation in Gaza, 
There is one Latin Rite Catholic Church in Gaza. We're housing all the fifty, the fifteen hundred Christians and Catholics in Gaza. It's run actually by the uh, the Institute of the Incarnate Word. And right now there are two Servidor sisters in here, and we have some moms who have daughters in this retreat who belong to that order. Not the same ones who are over there. The priest is in Bethlehem. He couldn't get back in. They are providing sanctuary for about 500 Catholics and Orthodox there. And so I think sanctuary really ties all of these things together. Sanctuary is the home of God. If you think of the church as the holy place, it brings in that the 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 idea of prayer and the idea of encountering the Lord, where God and others can meet, where we find safety, where we find a home, a place of worship. Mary's heart is the greatest sanctuary. The Spirit descending on the Annunciation, her heart is the place of prayer. She kept all these things in her heart, and of course, others were kept safe in her heart. The apostles whom she gathered with at Pentecost. So I think that really all of our hearts, particularly the maternal heart, is a sanctuary. The feminine heart is a sanctuary. So whether or not you are a mother in the physical sense or not, holy place, a safe place for those who were given to you. So these are the five themes that we're laying it out. So the course of the next three talks we're going to give, we're going to talk about the different movements within the heart that is the sanctuary of the home about and the next one is going to be talking about welcoming others into it making our heart a welcoming place how do we get it set up how do we welcome what are some of the obstacles to drawing the blood in bringing others into our heart but this is just there probably this is the most boring talk just setting the themes. We're going to get into the other stuff. We're going to start talking about the nitty-gritty. But I want to give homework. And so I'm a very practical person, and I'm going to usually give two or three things for you all to think and pray about until we meet again tomorrow morning. Now, you all can go to the chapel. You all can go outside. I don't care what you do. You all are grown women. You all paid money for this. The only thing we care is you don't talk, all right? But be quiet, but I'm going to let, well, you think Kel looks sweet. <laughs> Kel's going to come after you if you don't watch it. I'm not kidding you. I'm not, I'm nice. I don't, I, I'm going to my room in the back. Y'all can talk all you want. I'm not going to hear you. So I, I want to encourage you all so to, to reflect on three things. First of all, is to, like, really, ask, have you ever envisioned your heart as having capacity or space for God or for others. Have you ever considered that? What does it mean to to be a home for others? Is that a thought that's ever crossed your mind? Or you're just like, well, nope, I got blood in my heart. That's about it. <laughs> Second, and this is the one where I really want to encourage some imaginative prayer. Uh, again, it sounds strange to people who know me. I don't normally encourage this kind of stuff. I'm not encourage them. It's not my way of thinking about things, but I really was struck by it. If you're going to imagine like your heart, what is it? Is it a home? Is it a shelter? Is it a sanctuary? 
What do you envision it looking like? You want to draw it. Knock yourself out. What would it be decorated like? What would it look like? Would there be some little plants there? Would there be? Mine would certainly have a couch in it, <laughs> a recliner or something. You know, what is that? Like maybe so, Laura. What is? What does my heart look like? Even if you want to draw it, you know, you can you can do that. And, and then third and finally, and, and this is probably the most important. I'm going to tie each of these to a mystery of Mary's life that I think typifies it. And as I said, this one really is the Annunciation. Annunciation, where here that Mary has the heart, the capacity to receive the Spirit, so that she could be filled with the Spirit, full of grace, but also her 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 body or womb to be able to house and to be able to be the sanctuary for the Son of God. And so, really, say what what can we learn from Mary in the Annunciation about making our own hearts a sanctuary, a home? a safe place for the Lord and for others. So that's pretty much it, I guess. Maybe I did, didn't do too bad with the timing. Uh, um, well, 37 minutes, it's not too, too bad. It's a little bit over. So I'm usually going to go about 35 to 40 minutes probably. Um, so just take that and reflect on it. Ask the Lord, the Spirit to guide you. And we're going to come back tomorrow and spend some more time reflecting on how to welcome people into our hearts. So, But know that I'm praying for you all, and again, we'll have the time for spiritual direction. If you want to come to confession, you can. Uh, there'll be other priests here, here in confessions. Just one thing, ladies, I'm going to tell you this right now. They're going to be one of me, definitely, maybe three priests, and there are 50 of y'all. Please have mercy. <laughs> so when you come to confession, your sins... Not your husband's sins, not your children's sins, your sins. Because we want to be able to, to get everyone to have a chance to get to confession. So wish we could have a big dialogue, but it's not going to be really be possible so that we, we, don't, we don't cause other ladies to sin because they don't have a chance to go to confession because you're in there for an hour. We're going to be nice and do it that way. I'm saying that jokingly, but, you know, just to show respect for others. It really is a joy to be here at the cynical uh, and hopefully everyone will get something from the retreat. And so I'll close with a blessing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.